Hallelujah. Well, I've been introduced, thank you. I've been introduced a few times, never by that I floss. So praise the Lord, there's a new, uh, a new thing going on. When my name's Phil, I came here uh, 1984 to 1987. Somehow I made it through Elam Bible Institute. And my wife, Cheryl, is over there. Hi, it's a way giveaway. And uh, we've been married for quite a few years, 1991. We have four daughters. My oldest came here for a year. And uh, pastor up in Henrietta, not too far from here. But uh, Jonah here is a blessing. Jonah's a part of the church. He's been with us, what, 10 years or so? And uh, just a tremendous blessing. I, what I love about Jonah is in all the years that he's been on staff and been a part of the church, Jonah has never hurt me. He's never hurt me. Never. Somebody said, is that weird? Yes. That's as unusual as you can get. He's a blessing. He's a humble man and a servant unto the Lord. So I'm going to minister a little bit prophetically before I get into the word. I promise you I will not embarrass you. If this is new to you, do not be worried. And you might think the word means something to you, and it might seem like, oh, my gosh, God is really revealing my mail. Can I tell you something? What I've learned about God is he's a gentleman, and you think your mail's getting revealed, and everybody else is going, amen, that's so good. What a powerful word. And I'm not going to reveal anybody's mail in a bad way. So be encouraged today, amen. God is good. Prophecy is to encourage, edify, build up. There's a lot of weird stuff about prophecy. By the grace of God, there won't be any of that today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This lady right here. I heard the joy of the Lord. That the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And not only will it be your strength, but you are going to bring the joy of the Lord to others. There's going to be within you an ability to bring to people who are hurting, to those that are lost, to those that are disenchanted, an ability to see the goodness of God. For I am not done with you. There is a lot that I've done that's all good, but there is more that I'm going to work into your life. And you would say at times, God, are you really going to use me? Am I, am I really going to come into the fullness of what you have for me? And he comes to you today and he says, he commits to you to bring you into the purposes that he has for you. And don't let anything or anyone steal your joy. Don't let anything take it away. And don't ever be embarrassed by it. But let know it's a gift, it's a grace, it's a flow, it's an anointing. And let that joy be a strength to others. And do not curtail your enthusiasm. There might be times where you have to, as it were, be channeled. And there might be leadership that will come along and say, hey, this, that, or the other. But at the end of the day, it is your calling and your strength. And it will be a source of refreshing too many. It will be water poured out on a dry and thirsty land. And you will go to different nations at times and you will bring that joy and that joy will be life. Do not let anything or anyone rob your joy. Know that it's a gift and it's a gift that's going to increase in your life. As you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says all these other things will be added unto you as well. Hallelujah. And to this lady here, I hear the Lord saying, prayer will be your greatest strength. I called you to be a prayer warrior. And it's not that, you know, some people think prayer warrior means I'll be hidden and nobody will see me. I'll just be locked up in a closet praying for everything. No, 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 no. I will call you to be in front of people, even though at times you would not want it. 
and I will put a word ministry in you. I will put a preaching, an anointing upon your life to share the word. And there will be a depth to your word that will touch lives and increase lives. But know that what I've called you to also will be prayer, prayer, anointed prayer. In fact, I'm going to give you an ability. There's going to be a prophetic release in your prayer. You're going to look at the situation, and you're going to know what the need is for the person or the situation, and you will begin to pray prophetically into the situation, a gift of intercession, because you're not just praying a nice prayer, God bless them, God help them, God bless that ministry. You will see by the Spirit what needs to be prayed for, but there will be a humility in it. It's not a corrective thing. There are people, when they pray, they correct everybody. Lord, help them to be better in Jesus' name. Lord, help them not to give trouble all the time in Jesus' his name no it won't be anything like that it'll be something that you will know in your spirit and you will go before the lord even in a private place and you will cry out to god and the way you'll cry out to god is this lord change me there are things about my life that i don't see there are times god when my heart isn't perfect but god in that situation help that person also as you help me to be all that you've called us to be. I will strengthen you in prayer, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Calling, 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 calling an election. Calling an election. For you will follow the Lord God with a sense of abandonment. There will be times when you will make decisions that the world will go, What? 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 But I am telling you that I will be your source of strength. And I will be, as it were, I will make the water beneath your feet become firm. And I will cause you to walk on the water. I will cause you to walk and not stumble. And even when you stumble, I will uphold you with my right hand. And there are going to be times when you will say, God, I don't understand that. And, And people around you will say, I don't understand why I'm doing this. But at the end of the day, I have called and I have purposed and I have elected and I will bring you into all that I have for you. So do not let your, and you don't, but do not let your mind, your decisions be governed by what your eye sees and your mind thinks. Know that I've called you to do the unexpected, to believe and be in times and places that you go, how did I get here? I have put you there, saith the Lord. I have called you to it. And do not think, even when you get there, what? Know that as you have been obedient, I will bring you forth. And even in the times where you would think that you would make a mistake, or you would think, what have I done? Or even in the times where you've rushed ahead, I will shore you up and show you my goodness, saith the Lord. I will show you my goodness. I will show you my goodness. The Bible says that uh, those that come to him uh, must do so by faith, and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he will reward as you have stepped out in faith. And for this lady here, I've called you to be more than just a strength. I've called you more than just to be alongside. I've called you to leadership. And I'm going to put in you a teaching word ministry that is so strong. So strong. And I'm going to give you an ability to speak wisdom into situations. I'm going to give you a word in season that is a word of wisdom. 
and, and I'm, I'm not talking about the biblical term necessarily. I'm just talking about a wise word. And that word will be life to people because in a sense it will be a word of wisdom anointed by God. I'm calling you to be a strength. I'm calling you to be your own force, but a force. Meekness is power under control. <laughs> and there's power. There's going to be power in your words. Not in their volume or their anger or their passion, but in the wisdom. Here's the thing. Truth always stands alone. When truth comes into a situation, it just stands alone. Everything else is laid bare. And I'm going to give you at times a word of truth for different situations that have worked. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Perfect love casts out all fear. And you don't need to have any fear about what God has for your life. Because he comes to you today, my daughter, and he says, my love for you is perfect. And so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. The Lord comes to you and says, know that his love for you is perfect. It does not have an ulterior motive. It does not have something of bait and switch. It's not a carrot that is put in front of you. His love for you is perfect. And because his love for you is perfect, you can trust him with your tomorrow comes to you today with a very simple but a very powerful word. He loves you. He loves you. And because he loves you, you can trust him. And even at times where you would say, God, how did I get here? He comes to you and he says, my plans for you are sometimes beyond your understanding, but they're perfect in all their ways. Doesn't mean you won't have adversity. Doesn't mean you won't have doubts. Doesn't mean at times you go, what? is going on, but God comes to you today and he says, stay close to him. Build an altar, and you already have. I got a word a few months ago to my own life. He remembers uh, He remembers the decision that you made. And I'm telling you right now, God remembers the decisions that you've made for the kingdom, and he will not forget. Know that his hand is with you every step of the way, and he loves you with a never-ending this lady right here, I was watching you during worship, and not because of the way you were worshiping, but the Lord spoke to me and said, he's going to put a teaching, preaching ministry in your life. And there will be times where you would say, God, can I? Can I? Can I? In fact, you need to be, uh, the, the Lord's coming to encourage you uh, to think more highly of yourself than you do. We all have our moments. Dear me, I never thought, when I came to Elam Bible Institute, I'd never even preached. And I remember them saying to me, you're going to need uh, three or four preaching cards before you graduate. And I'm going, that will never happen. Now my congregation can't shut me up on a Sunday morning. I just go, go, go. Let me tell you something. I did not think highly of myself. There's a goodness in that because then God, God loves to show his glory through vessels that are humble. Not that I'm all that humble all the time, trust me. But he loves to show his glory through humility. And he comes to you today and he says, as you believe him, as you step out and you say, God, is that for me? And he says, yes, step out, step out. I want to develop you. In fact, I'm going to develop you in the word. And the Lord says he's going to help you in your classes. 
He's going to help you academically. He's going to bring you even to places that you never thought you would be as you put your trust in him. Can I say something to you? Nobody has ever checked my grade point average when I, when I started ministry. Nobody's, what'd you get in preaching lab, Phil? What'd you get in hermeneutics? All important. I'm not discounting academics and striving and being excellent. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this. God will open doors as you continue to walk in faith and say, God, if you say it, I believe it, that settles it. So God wants to develop you and strengthen you and bring you into more. His grace will be sufficient for you. And there will be a teaching, preaching word ministry that will come out of your life. It'll begin one-on-one, but then it will develop and he will strengthen you. And you might say, well, God, I don't really know about that. That's okay. I believe with all my heart as I was watching that he spoke a teaching, preaching word ministry from her life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. This young man here with the hat and the jacket, uh, uh, the Lord spoke to me. And this could sound like it's a reproof. It's not. It's it's an encouragement. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads only to death. That's not a reproof. But God is going to turn your understanding of the kingdom and the principles of God upside down. He wants to renew. uh, It's good. It's all been good. But he's going to start to show you things that you would have said, God, really, that's the way you do it? Really, God, that's, that's how you work? He's going to start to show you things. He's going to start to develop you in ways that you never expected. And, and he's going to, he's going to, this is an encouragement. He's going to like recalibrate your thinking, recalibrate your mind. And you're going to laugh at the goodness of God. You have said, God, I want to know you. And you have an understanding. That's good. But God is going to stretch that understanding. He's going to increase that understanding. He's going to show you even how God uses all people that come to him and cry out and call upon his name. That there is a way that seems right. But God is beautiful in the fact that he knows how to use everyone from every background, every situation for the extension of his kingdom. God is, and he's going to make you even more so a lover of people, a lover of people, a lover of the body. He's going to renew things in you. It's all, it's all strong. It's all good. It's, 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 he, he's put things in you. You have understanding, and it's good understanding, but God is going to teach you about the body of Christ. He's going to teach you that even things that you have, have thought, God can only do it this way, that God is bigger. And I'm, I'm talking myself. I say to God all the time, you can't do it that way, that he is bigger than this way, that he knows. And listen to this. He, he, I really hear this for you. He knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, prosper. And when we hear that word, I believe God's going to bless you financially and provision. But you know what? Prospering is much more than that. It's a whole attitude towards life. It's a whole attitude. You're going to find out that financial prospering, whoopie-doo. What's really important is your relationships, your family, your church, people. God is going to give you, as you cry out to him, such a baptism of love. Baptism of love. He's going to develop you and cause you to be. Listen to this. 
the man of God that you've asked him to be. He's faithful, and he's with you. Man, he is with you. He is sitting right now and wants to say to you, if you knew the plans I had for you to prosper you, they're good plans, but it's going to be a stretching of you. It's going to be a renewing, renewing. There is a way that seems right. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and there's still a way that seems right unto me, but God comes along and says, yeah, Phil, I know you think that, but I just want to show you another, another side. And every time he's done it, love has grown within me. And God is going to give you a baptism of love and of grace. Hallelujah. This young man right here, uh, God's going to open up the word to you in ways that you never understood. It's going to be that you'll understand the principle, but now you're going to understand the practice. In other words, you're going to know the word, but the word is going to take life. There is the logos word, and there's the rhema word. The logos word is good. It's, you know, it's this is the way it is, but the rhema word has life. And I'm going to begin to put in you not just a logos word and a logos understanding, but I'm going to put a rhema word in you, a word that is alive. And I'm going to stretch the logos word where at times you'll think, the logos word is being impacted. What's going on? This is right. This is the logos word. But the rhema word, which will bring life to you, and people around you will start to stretch for I'm going to take that which is written on stone and write it on flesh. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh even more than you've known. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you anointing. I'm going to give you mantle and know this, that I have good plans for you. Good plans. And I will bring you forth. You will know the word, but you will also know the life. Oh, and it's not that you don't. This is not, you got to understand, when you come to Elam and you think, I came to Elam, God had so much to do in me. And so when I say these things, you got to take it that God is working and he's promising you, I've got good things for you. And he's going to bring you into them as the logos becomes rhema, as the, as the written word becomes living word in Jesus' name. Lord, bless them abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If only you were handsome. You know what I'm saying? If only you were handsome, you know? Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for this good life. I hear a word for you, my brother. Such a word. <laughs> if only, and it's not if only you were handsome, okay? That's just me being ridiculous. My wife has to live with me and my four daughters. How they do it, I don't know. But there, there's going to come such a, a flow and anointing from your life. Yeah, such a flow and such an anointing. As you stay close to God and stay close to leadership and submit your life and yield to the hand of God and to the hand of leaders, you will win favor with God and with man. It's a, it's a two-sided coin. And I, I don't sense there's anything in you that wouldn't do that. I don't. I don't hear that, but what I feel it's an admonition. And as you stay humble, there's going to flow out of your life the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit because it's the two. We have uh, denominations that concentrate on the fruit. All good. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering. But you need both. You need the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. If you can get the two together, the force you will be for the kingdom and the purposes of God is yea and amen. And God comes to you today and he says, that's what he, that's what he sees. And he says to you, keep yielding, keep yielding, keep
keep humbling yourself. Keep getting around people and leaders who will disciple you and mentor you and bring you into the purposes that God has for you. You're at school here. There are going to be times where you may not understand everything. Maybe you do, but maybe you don't. It's okay. Stay humble. Stay broken. Bend where you can bend. Bend where you can bend and see the goodness of God upon your life. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Hey, the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, this young lady right here, I heard the word the nations. And I don't know if you feel a missionary call on your life, but God is saying to you, be open to the nations, for I will give you a harvest. We used to sing a song when I was younger uh, by Stephen Curtis Chapman. Saddle up your horses. We got a trail to blaze. And God will not allow your life to be boring. He will not allow you, as it were, to sit and, as it were, wonder what would have happened. He's going to help you make it happen. And so be excited because God is going to do for you what you never hoped or dreamed. Because you would even say at times, others, God, others, God, you've got things for others. But God comes and says to you, I've got things for you. I've got destiny for you. I've got purpose for you. And you would even at times help others, but God's coming to you and saying, I'm going to help you because your heart has been for others. And God comes and says, because your heart has been for others, my heart is for you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you in to a place where you will not only serve, but you will be fulfilled and you will lead and you will see lives touched for the kingdom and the purposes of God. I come to you, my daughter, and I call you my daughter. Do you hear that? You are my daughter. And that means I am your heavenly father. And in this world, there might be fathers that aren't perfect, fathers that are. But God comes and says, you don't have to worry about me leaving you. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I will be a heavenly father to you. And you, I'm even coming to you this day, and I am healing and restoring. And more than that, I'm trying to find the word of what the Spirit's impressing on to me. I'm, in, I'm imparting into you an understanding of my love for you plans that I have for you and the good things ahead for you. You have a heart to help and because of that, I'm going to help you. And again, I heard that word, just hold it on the shelf if it makes no sense. I heard nations. I heard nations. I hold nation, heard nations before, for, your, for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This brother back here with uh, nice work boots on there. I like those. Hallelujah. I just heard such a clear word. God has not forgotten you, nor will he forget you. You might think at times, God, have you forgotten me? What, what is my destiny? What is my purpose? And there's a sense where you know your destiny and your purpose. But God comes and says, he will not forget you. And he has not forgotten you. And he knows your name. As scripture says, now for me, this isn't difficult. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. And he comes to you today and he says, uh, it doesn't matter if you sit in the back or sit in the front. 
He knows the plans he has for you, and he'll bring you into them. He has not forgotten you. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, God. You are worthy of it all. Jonah, give me a song here. Let's just worship. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Yes. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. appreciate it. I want to share just a few minutes from scripture. If you have a device or a Bible, I'll be in Matthew 6 a lot. Uh, I think it's Matthew 6. <laughs> I kind of got this word this morning. Uh, I've been preaching on it, but I'm trying to remember all the scriptures I use for what I've been preaching on the last few weeks. But um, uh, we're in week of prayer, and week of prayer for me is powerful because uh, right there during week of prayer, God dealt with me. Of course, God dealt with me constantly, so they almost put a plaque there. This stain on the carpet where Philip wept before the Lord, uh, you know, it was right over there. When I came to Elam, um, uh, I was not received well. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home, uh, but I wasn't very religious, and so, uh, and I was prophetic a little bit, so I'd say things as a, my gift had gotten a little, you know, warped, so I would say things that I thought were funny, and turned out they weren't funny. And so I offended a lot of people. And, uh, you know, my, my first week, uh, I was sitting in the cafeteria, and we used to have services like crazy. And uh, so four or five days into services, morning, noon, and night, I'm sitting in the cafeteria, and somebody says, hey, we have a service tonight. And I go, not another service, you know, because I was tired. And the guy goes, McNeil, you're such a hypocrite. That's the kind of stuff I heard my whole first year. And so, uh, you know, uh, I'm a picture of the grace of God. I have nothing besides what God has graced me with, and uh, I'm thankful to God for his mercy in my life. And so when I come to you, I, uh, it's been a few decades since I was a student, um, but I remember what this place did in my life. And when I got here, I remember uh, uh, saying to myself, wow, 
how in the world. I came from a university that had about uh, 15 to 20,000 students, and, uh, you know, it had everything. You name it, it had it, and I came here. But you know what? It's not about what the buildings are, the campuses. It's will you meet God, and I met God here. And uh, so uh, I just want to say that to encourage you. I don't come to you today as someone who came to Elon Bible Institute perfect. I come to you as, as someone who came to Elon Bible Institute, and God dealt in my life. And I thank God for this place. I believe in this place. I stand with this place. I know God uh, does a work in this place. Hallelujah. I don't know what the word is yet, but I see this brother back here. Uh, you're the brother that was in my class, right? I've been thinking about you. Don't worry, I'm happily married. Uh, but I've been thinking about you. <laughs> All right. You've been on my heart for months, and this is the word. Do not compare the path that you are on to the path that others are on. And do not think that somehow I have forgotten or misplaced you or misplaced the promises that I made and put in your heart and your life. Know that you are on the path that I have for you. And even if at times you feel like you're that seed that goes into the ground and dies, don't worry about that. Because as my word says, when it comes forth, it bears much fruit. It bears much fruit. So do not look at these years at times of, God, what are you doing? I am working. And do not think I'm wasting time or marking time. I've already marked time for you, my son. And so what I'm doing in your life, do not be dismayed by or discouraged by. I am doing a work in your life. I am doing a deep work in your life. So do not feel lost. Do not feel at times, God, when. Know that I have the times for you. And I am working in you a strength of conviction. And I am working in you an understanding of my ways. And I am working within you a move of the Holy Spirit. And I am forming you for what I have for you. And there will come a day when the seed will break forth from the ground. So do not worry. Why is my seed, why, am I, why do I feel buried at times? The Lord says, I'm going to bring you out at the right time in the right way. And the roots will grow deep. And what you have in me will be a source of life for others. For I will make you a worshiper. I will make you someone that when it is dark all around, you have light within you. And that light will go to others. Do not be dismayed. For I know where you are. I know where you are, and I have not walked away. I will bring you into what I have for you, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, so we're in week of prayer here. Oh, get, it'll take me about five minutes to get over here, but how you doing? I'll get over there. And uh, <laughs> hopefully everything's still working. I got up to preach a month ago, and I had my message on my iPad. I got up, and the whole thing disappeared. <laughs> I'll make you preach by faith, let me tell you. It's one thing when you preach, you know, the same sermon, you know, a few times a year. But when you got to preach every week, you, you need notes. Well, maybe you don't because you got more faith than me. But the, the, the Lord really spoke to me for someone here today, maybe for a few of you, the relationship between forgiveness and prayer. When I was seeking the Lord for a brief word, because time has already moved, the Lord spoke to me about this section of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Husbands, 
In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, I've got four daughters and a wife. I am the dean of women. And when it says weaker partner, I'm going to tell you right now, you have not lived until I've had four daughters and my wife coming at me. They are not the weaker partner. I don't fully understand that. You don't have to enlighten me later. But I'm telling you right now, when it says that, I tell you what, I raise leaders. They tell me that. Well, you raise leaders, Dad. It's your fault. And I said, thanks a lot. Hallelujah. With your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. mean my prayers can be hindered? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Forgiveness and love release your prayers up to heaven. Unforgiveness and bitterness and strife can hinder your prayers. I'll go on to develop this later. But so when we come to week of prayer, if you're married, get it right. If you're married, make sure you're honoring each other. If you're single, make sure your heart is clear to others and you treat others with respect. Whether it's your leadership, whether it's your family, whether it's your siblings, whether it's your parents. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. It's right there. I didn't make it up. The Passion Translation says it this way. Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness. You in turn, uh, with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honored. For they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Who deserve to be honored as feminine partners. And so your prayers can be hindered. I would take a little step here, and if you don't want to believe it, that's fine. But how you treat women, guys, that your prayers may not be hindered. And I'll, I'll take it a little step further, and I'm taking a little liberty. You don't have to believe me or not. But how you treat others can determine whether your prayers are hindered. How we treat our spouse, according to scripture, determines how our prayers are heard. Hebrews 12 says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I believe that if you don't allow God to work in your life, the principle of forgiveness, uh, then your prayers can be hindered. But more than that, it says here, so that that doesn't defile many. Your attitude and what's going on in your heart can defile many. I don't want, you know, when, when I was a, when I was a student here, I was shocked at, at times how many people had problems with the deans and how they had unforgiveness in their heart even towards leadership. Or maybe for you, you're coming out of a situation, and I'm not talking about extreme stuff or illegal stuff that you're working through or things that were just atrocious. That's not what I'm talking about. Those things, too, need to be worked through. And I'm not discounting any kind of abuse or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. And, you, and I'm talking about the normal things of life at times that can get into our spirit, and we come to pray, and God is saying, hey, listen, Phil. How's it going? Good, good, good. Uh, Phil, what about that situation where you're holding unforgiveness? 
What about that, that thing where you, you, you haven't made something right? That thing that's going on in your heart, that, that root of bitterness that is in you that needs to be developed. When, when, what did we, did we change? What I'm saying here is if you're here and you're coming to prayer, just as we have to live at peace if we're married, we have to live at peace with other people. And if we want our prayers to be heard, and I know I'm taking a little stretch here, not too much, but and I can prove it in other scriptures, but make sure that there's forgiveness in your heart towards your roommate, towards the deans, towards your parents, that your prayers might not be hindered. Hebrews 5, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, verse 7, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of salvation for all who obey him. Listen to this. It says, Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. If anybody was treat, treated unjustly, it was Jesus. But he had to learn obedience through the things he suffered. And sometimes in life, when you're dealing with people, people can hurt you. And you learn obedience by being gracious and forgiving. And that if Jesus had to learn obedience through the things he suffered, sometimes injustice or things that were wrong or treated wrong, or maybe you're married and you and your spouse sometimes have your moments, you have intense fellowship and things like that. If, 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 if Jesus, yeah, <laughs> I'll stop there. Uh, you know, that's what I, I, I learned that years ago from another pastor. I can't remember his name. He said him and his wife had intense fellowship. And, you know, intense fellowship, uh, you know, part of it. Hallelujah. He had to learn obedience through the things he suffered. Matthew 6, our text, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I'm skipping down a few verses, but when, when we look at this chapter, it talks about giving, praying. It talks about all sorts of things. It talks about forgiving. You can read the rest of the chapter. But it goes on here in verse 19, and it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not and break in and steal. Forgiveness is storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. When you look at that chapter, you'll see when you pray, when you give, when you forgive. So many times we quote that verse and we look at it as giving financially to the house and the kingdom and the purposes of God. I believe that. But it also says here, when you forgive, you are storing up for yourselves treasure in heaven. It's not just finances. When it says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, it is talking about a moral debt. The Greek word here does not simply mean financial debt. There are other Greek words that could be used to speak clearly about financial debt. It is used to describe more of deserving punishment for moral violation. In other words, forgive us our debts of sin as we forgive those who sin against us. I really believe this is what is meant here because of the next verses. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Lest your prayers be 
Hindu. Forgiveness is to be as much of a spiritual discipline as prayer, fasting, or giving. It will take much more effort at times. It is an act of faith. We are very good at forgiving ourselves when we fall short. But we also need to be very good about forgiving others when they fall short. I can forgive myself. Well, you know, I really didn't mean it. Well, I didn't know. Oops. Sorry. And if you're offended, that's your problem. You know what I mean? I mean, we're really good at that, right? But we also need to forgive others. To err, we've all heard the saying, to err is human, to forgive is divine. I believe when you pray and forgive, you are storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You cannot control people. And so many times we want to control, the real root of unforgiveness is we want people to see it our way or understand what they've done. But can I tell you something? Control is an illusion and you cannot control people. They don't even know sometimes they've offended you. You ever drive down the road and you're happy and all of a sudden some guy drives by you and he's flashing all sorts of things that aren't religious at you, certain fingers and things like that? And you're just driving along, you know. Have you ever gotten mad at someone who's cut you off and you drive by them and they're singing on the radio like, yeah, they don't even know what they've done. And you can get all upset about it, but at the end of the day, they don't even know what they've done. You cannot control people and sometimes they do not even know what they have done. Jesus sets the best example of forgiveness. Then the governor's soldiers took him into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him in the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on and put clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Above his head, they placed written, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. Then they said he saved others. You ever want to save yourself sometimes when you're being persecuted? You just want to make sure they know that they persecuted you. You want to save yourself. He saved others. He couldn't save himself. Jesus saw, though, a bigger picture. He saw all of us. He moved beyond himself and looked into eternity. Jesus saw all of us. Listen, let me tell you something. There's something far beyond us. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven when you forgive. Forgiveness will bless your marriage. Forgiveness will bless your children. Forgiveness will bless your family. Forgiveness will bless the company you work for. Forgiveness will bless Elam Bible Institute. Forgiveness will bless your church. Forgiveness will bless the kingdom of God. It stabs directly at the heart of the enemy. And it says here in 1 Peter, if you're not gracious to your wife, your prayers will be hindered. Storing up for yourselves blessing in heaven. Forgiveness is a form of crucifixion at times. It's hard. We want to be right. We want them to know we're right. We want them to know what they did. We want them to know how they hurt us. And I'm not saying these things aren't real. And I'm not talking about extreme cases. I'm talking about day-to-day in your life and your family and where you work and all that you do here at the school with staff and RAs and things like that. 
Because here's what happened. It's a downward spiral if you don't forgive. It's the old illustration. It's like a clock that is taken and smashed on the ground. And the hands of the clock remain right there because it's been smashed on the ground. When you hold unforgiveness, I, I really, I've seen it in my own life, and I really believe it. I've pastored for a few decades. And I'm telling you, when you hold unforgiveness in your heart, your spiritual growth, never mind your prayers, your spiritual growth and everybody around you is hindered and affected when you don't allow the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God to come into your life. It's serious. And you can store up for yourself treasures on earth or in heaven that last for all of eternity. Plus, if you allow God to work in you, it destroys something within you of flesh, something within you that wants to control, something within you that wants to be right, something within you that is not of God, but of your flesh and your own desire. And you're not yielded and submitted to the goodness of God that he can restore and redeem and make what the locust worm has devoured, he can restore and bring back to your life. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to come into a new day and a new freedom and a new forgiveness and a new anointing and a new grace where the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on. It's good, man. Forgiveness is good. And I, please, I'm not being uh, uh, unsensitive, I hope, to anything you've been through. And maybe it's going to take you. Weeping does remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Don't let the night last for years. I'm not discounting what you've been through. Honestly, I'm not. I, I get it. I'm a human being. Believe me. If I get cut, I bleed. But at the end of the day, I found in my life that as I forgive, as I move on, as I don't try to control situations and people, or if I feel like I've been mistreated or poor me, gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You get into that downward spiral, and please, I... I'm not talking about certain situations. But forgiveness moves you into the blessing of God. And so as we come into this week of prayer, I'm almost done. As I'm preaching right now and sharing my heart with you and a word I feel the Lord gave me, if there's anything in your heart that you know that you just need to say to God, I forgive or help me to forgive, Help me to forgive God. Or, or you, all of a sudden you're realizing there's just some things you've been a little petty about, that you're petty costal. I'm going to tell you, Pentecostals are some of the most petty costal people you've ever seen in your life. I didn't say that. My name's Fred, President Fred Antonelli. He said that. You, know, you can blame him on that one. Consider Jesus, Lois, I close out. During the trial, this comes from a book. I can't take credit for this. Uh, Edwards, I believe, is crucified by Christians is the name of the book. That'll encourage, amen. During, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the first barriers you will meet in ministry is offense and then having to forgive. I'm going to tell you right now, it takes more people out of ministry than anything else. They get offended, they're not treated right, they're treated wrong, and they say, if that's how the body of Christ is, I want nothing to do with them. Now, they're just as wrong as the person who offended them. You've got to learn, let it go, let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, <laughs> you know what I say? You all, you all know that song, but what's the 10th book of the Old Testament? 
Ah, moving on. During the trial, the client, listen, is Jesus now. We're going to bring, come on back with me. Come on back with me here. During the trial, the climb to Golgotha, the cross, through it all, Jesus was poetry itself. During those last six hours of his life, you all know the story, he left for every believer a portrait of how to react to even the most extreme injustice. Jesus criticized no one, gave no rebuttal, never resorted to logic or reason, did not defend his rights, gave no defense, challenged no lies, answered only with silence. Remember when Jesus arose, recall how when he gathered his disciples that he recounted every detail of his trial, every lie, every false testimony. Look what they did to me. Remember how full of bitterness his words were, how he could not stop talking about what they had done to him. Do you remember these words from Jesus? Then there was the time when one of them claimed that I said I would destroy Herod's temple. Well, that is just not true. They, they twisted my words. I never said that. And can you believe the rumors about me? Remember how he recounted the way the bodyguard of the high priest slapped him in the face. All these things he could have been offended by. How he caustically denounced the false witnesses. Remember how he told about the pitiful living conditions of the prison. Remember his voice cracking as he pointed out that he would be disfigured throughout all eternity because of the scars on his body. Did you notice that in virtually every conversation he had after his resurrection, he referred back to the way he had been mistreated at Golgotha? Did you notice the dark resentment, the worm of bitterness that ate into his soul? Here is the hallmark of the resurrection of our Lord. And I believe there's someone here, God wants to resurrect you today. Having risen from the grave, he never once referred to the events of his crucifixion. Not once. Not even one word. Jesus sets the example. No matter what you've been through, he went through it. We don't have a great high priest who's unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. He understands what you've been through. But he doesn't want it to define your life. Some people live in the past. There's a reason why God put a big window on the front of the car and a little mirror to look back. God wants you to look forward. I am not defined by what they said, what they did. I will not let my prayers be hindered by unforgiveness or bitterness of any kind. I believe that God wants to help you today, to set you free, to let you know he loves you. And you don't have to let that control your life. Matthew 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning, that means like scorning at shame. What is the shame compared to what I'm going to do when I'm resurrected? And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The clock stops on your Christian life when you hold offense. 
I'm not saying there aren't things that happen. You have to find your way through. 2020 has been a tough year. It's trauma in us all. Some people have trauma in their family, living at home, different things happening, some with their relatives, some in relationship, race issues, politics, elections. When you forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We are storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. I like us all to stand. I, I, I really believe that as we do, listen, as I did, like I said, on that corner right there, I did a lot of business with God. And I believe right now as I'm sharing, maybe maybe for you it's, it's a relationship you got hurt in. Maybe for you it's a family situation, a sibling, a parent. And maybe things actually happened. Now, again, I'm not talking about extreme situations, but things were said, words were said, things happened, a parent left, a parent wasn't there. And maybe to some degree you could say, I, 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 I'm rightfully offended here. Weeping remains for the night, but joy comes when you can forgive. When you don't let it define you, that you're so not caught up in bitterness that you, you, can't, you can't even function. God wants to come and help you right now by his Holy Spirit by just saying, maybe, maybe you can, maybe you can't, maybe you're not ready. That's between you and the Lord. Maybe for someone here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know you've had unforgiveness. And maybe you could say, I'm justified, but at the end of the day, Jesus set the pace. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I'm going to tell you right now, there was a season in my life years ago, not long after I graduated from Elam, where I could have easily left the ministry because things were done to me that were totally unjust. Totally. And I remember sitting down to type up my resignation at an old monochrome computer and starting to, to write out why I was resigning from the ministry I was involved in. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Phil, you can do that, but you won't have my blessing if you do that. Phil, I'll still love you and I'll still be with you, but did I tell you you could resign, Phil? Did I tell you, Phil, that you could just live your life the way you want to live it? I didn't, he said. I didn't. But Phil, if you will trust me and forgive, I'll restore and I will, as it were, vindicate you in the situation. So I walked away from that computer and it took several months, but God totally vindicated me, totally brought me forth. I had every right to resign, but what would have happened to my life if I had? I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't be in the church I'm in right now. I wouldn't have four children. See, forgiveness goes far beyond you. I'm telling you right now, there's somebody here. God is coming in love, not in judgment. He's not here to chastise you. He's saying to you, receive my love and forgive. Right now, whoever you are, just, just in your every head bow, just do business with God, whoever it is. Lest your prayers be hindered. That's not to put condemnation on you. It's to make you aware God wants to make you aware 
so he can redeem and restore and bring resurrection life and power to your life. He'll still love you. He'll still work with you. But at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I don't want anything in my life to hinder the blessing of God. Maybe for you right now, it's a sibling. You just know you need to forgive them. Maybe for you, it's a teacher, a parent, someone here to you, a dean, your roommate. I had some doozy roommates, let me tell you. But you know what? God used them to develop me. I could blame them. They were that. No. Hey, Phil, grow up. You, you say you're going to love the body. You're going to love people. You can't even love your roommate. I'm going to tell you, I had a roommate. He didn't know what to do with me either. All those things work the glory of God in your life. Don't let anything hinder. You know why? Because God is great. He's bigger than it all, and you need to be bigger than it all. Hallelujah.